Good morning, church. Today our scripture reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. A little correction from your bulletin. Verse 11 starts mid-sentence, so we will back up. Colossians 1, 9 through 20. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thanks be to God. Um, We have the pleasure today of having our own uh, Samuel preached for us. Go ahead and join us, Samuel. And uh, him and Miriam and his family have been with us for many years. Um, And... Uh, I, I take a moment to pray for Samuel and the message that he's going to bring for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day, for gathering us here today, your people. God, I pray that you would speak through Samuel, Lord. God, that uh, we'd all have ears to hear, and you would use Samuel to bring your message to us today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, good morning. Um, it's good to be here once again, uh, and thank you for that uh, beautiful exposition of the passage that we are going to try to um, tackle today. So, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's kind of a typical kind of beginning of a sermon, right? We're talking about scripture, God, and how it's revealing to us. Um, and in order for, for us to do that, I just want to point to you that um, you should never fear to uh, tackle issues in science. As a matter of fact, what we probably will talk about today in Colossians The greater picture is that nothing outside of the human human realm, it's outside of the um, jurisdiction of of Christ. Science is part of that revelation as well. Uh, If we were to proclaim a Christ who is supreme 
above all. So, uh, but besides, I just put that equation there because maybe you don't have a um, topic of conversation for next Thursday. So you might as well try to talk about E equals MC squared, right? So at the core of that formula, there, there are a couple of principles in there. Where one of them is energy. Uh, in the beginning, God created, created the heavens and the earth. Uh, energy is one of those core topics of the, of the universe and the world that we inhabit. And what this formula is saying, technically, if you were in my physics class in high school, um, hopefully you went through physics in high school, right? So this is, you know, just a review. It's nothing new. So it's that there is some sort of equivalency between energy and the mass, uh, the mass of an object, and that relationship is made through a constant, and that constant is the speed of light. And don't forget to say that it's the speed of, sli- uh, 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 the speed of light squared, because if you don't include the square, you're messing it up. Um, but the theory of special relativity is kind of one of the hallmarks of how the human experience has tried to come up with an understanding of the nature and the world and the, the, the world that we inhabit. And let's, if we could talk about that little C that you see there. Let there be light, and there was light, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 says. So, but what is light, right? What is light? And I think if you think about it, uh, light, when it travels in a vacuum, moves at a speed of 300 million meters per second. And that's kind of a mind-blowing uh, figure that is hard to picture. But if you need some sort of perspective, right? The fastest human that has ever lived, Usain Bolt, can run at um, 100 meters in 9.58 seconds. So that's a uh, speed of 10.4 meters per second. And now compare that to the speed of light. And that's kind of, what, what does that have to do with collosions again? Um, and you think about it, and, and, and it's kind of mind-blowing, but it gives you a perspective where you are. You are on planet Earth, but you are definitely not the only piece of creation, and not even in this galaxy, but not in this universe as well. So if you need a point of reference, if you think about the diameter of our Earth, it's about 13 million meters. So if we were to come up with, in one second, light can travel 300 million meters. One second. In one second. And you would need to line up 23, 24 planet Earth right next to each other to at least cover that distance of 300 million meters. And it's more humbling when we think about our place in the universe, when we think about the sun and the distance between the sun and the earth, which is about 150 billion meters so not even light going at that speed, 300 million meters per second, it takes eight minutes 
any given light that is coming out of that sun that you wake up in the morning and look, it takes eight minutes for that light traveling at three million meters per second to get to Earth. Eight minutes. And what does that have to do with Colossians? So the point here is that we've come to understand light as something perhaps that we see and perceive and, and feel and can experience. But the reality is that life, uh, light, it's, 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 either, it's either a particle or a wave. And if you want to start a debate in that you know, table on Thursday when you're eating your turkey, ask the question, is light a particle or is life a wave? Well, so the reality is that light exists as an electromagnetic wave, radiation, that irradiates, you know, technically radiation, and most aspects about light, you and I cannot see. So that's what we consider light. Oh, that's light. But light exists in a spectrum where most of it is, is invisible to us. So there's a tiny section in this little spectrum where we can actually call it visible, the visible spectrum of light. But everything outside that jurisdiction is not visible to you or to anyone. It's not a matter of having a disability. You and I cannot see infrared light. You and I cannot see a radio wave. We, we, you and I cannot see an X-ray. And those still are aspects of light. So technically, what we call light, the visible spectrum, is not depending on the nature of light. It's depending on whether your retina and your rods and your cones inside your eyes can perceive that light. So suddenly, that kind of fallacy, I cannot see it, it doesn't exist. Kind of fall true, right? But, but you don't see most of light, and not just because your eyes cannot perceive it. That doesn't mean that light is already there. That's kind of a humbling perception about where we are sitting, and yet we live in a world where we say, "If you don't show it to me, if I cannot see it, it doesn't exist." But that's a fallacy, according to science. Because you can actually experience many things. Or you cannot even be aware of things. And that doesn't mean that they are being there from the essence and from the moment they were created. And now we come to a passage where Christ is described as the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, Christ is that prism where when light travels we're able to see and experience the radiant reality of a God that might be invisible but yet he is real and it is through the lenses of that human being Jesus Christ that we've come to experience who God is so you're telling me that um, only through Jesus we're able to see the image of that God. 
It's 11.07, and the answer is yes. The essence of reality in the world can only be experienced through the lenses of the visible image of the invisible God. So not just because that aspect, the invisible God, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's been there, creator of heaven and earth, but it's through the lenses of that human in flesh in bones crucified for our sins that we get to experience the invisibility of the God who's always been, the great I am. And now, so we come to kind of reinterpret, let there be light, and there was light. There was the visible part of light, and there's also the invisible part of it too. Right? Thank you, Einstein, for that. But now, in Colossians, we have something brewing here. And when we come to this book, which only have four chapters, we, we talked about the city of Colossae, which happens to have a church that Paul, who is the writer of the letter, did not found. Right? He was not the person who started that church. Paul had a friend. His name was Epaphras. Epaphras. <laughs> Beautiful Greek name. Um, and it is from Rome that Paul is writing to this church that according to Epaphras, it's kind of in turmoil. There's something going on here. You know, and I, I like you to realize that the essence of the gospel, that the, the beautiful Bible you read and the things we preach in church never happen in, in peace and tranquility. There was, always, there was always a tension. There was always a heresy. There was always a problem. There was, there was some challenge. Mostly like the challenges that Christianity faces today. But back then, there were challenges as well. So we don't know specifically what's going on in Colossians. But there was some sort of philosophy brewing inside of that little church that just started because Epaphras decided to find, found that church. What is it? If you read those four chapters, we, we get an idea more or less. There's something going on. And, and Colossi, it's in the middle of Asia Minor. It's plagued with a lot of polytheistic, mystical things about the world, dominions, where the faith of the human beings is ruled by spirit in the realm of the unseen and things that can control the destiny. Your destiny, my destiny is, is, is tied to, to unseen powers in the air. So that's one of maybe one of the things that this church is, 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 is confronting. On the other side of the spectrum, Paul also has an issue with the people who are saying that in order for you to experience that resurrected Christ, you need to abide by the laws of the Torah, especially for Gentiles. So in the middle of that commotion, we find this letter where Paul is writing to a community he didn't know. Paul happens to be writing in chains, in prison, most likely in Rome. And he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, since the day that Paul heard about this congregation, we have not stopped praying for you 
And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So here we go. God, the Spirit. Paul is laying down kind of a blueprint of what this church has to do in the middle of the commotion that they are leaving in that specific area or region of the world. And he says, please be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might in endurance and patience. So according to historians, what happens in Colossians, um, it's, it's also maybe due to an earthquake that took place around that time where Paul was writing. So these people not only are having problems, theological issues, but they're also having some physical and material needs that they are confronting as well. And it's in verse 12 that he says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So up until that point, Paul is reassuring this community of the classical exposition of the gospel. God has accepted you. The Spirit is empowering you. And it is through the Son that he loves. He has made you part of this kingdom. But what comes right after that is a hymn. From 15, verse 15 to 20. There's a hymn that happens in contradiction of probably what's going on in that sphere. So they're invaded. This church is permeated by magic. It's permeated by ideas and philosophy about deities that exist in the air. And those proclamations usually were made through incantations. Hada Kadabra, something, blah, 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 blah. It's an exposition of incantations and conjuring basically the powers in the air and mystical issues. Well, Paul comes with a hymn. At a time where there is no Bible... There's no Bible, folks. There's no seminaries. There are no, there are no pastors in this time. And he comes with a pedagogical tool, a hymn. Do you remember things through music? Well, guess what? This community is going to remember this through a hymn. A hymn that the powerful exposition of who Jesus is, <laughs> like nowhere else in Scripture, you like music? We'll give you music, but you learn what is in it. And the challenge for us is also to become part of that hymn in a time like today in this era. So it says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're kissing Kansas bye-bye because we're not longer at that point, first part of this hymn, we're not just no longer talking about some peasant in the middle of Palestine who happens to talk to a specific group 
of, or a sect or religious group. Now we're talking about someone who is the, in, who is the visible image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Think about it. The firstborn of all creation. Which means that the first thing born of the creation that you observe, the things that are seen and unseen, is through this person we call Jesus Christ. This is no longer religion, folks. This is the essence of reality. Everything you see and the unseen things that you have out there all need to be filtered through the presence and the person of Jesus. So when the Bible says now, let us make man in our image in our, or our likeness, who's the image of God? And that's supposed to give us a new reconfiguration of, yes, we were made of the dust. But that imprint and that blueprint of who you are as a person doesn't come from a vacuum. It comes from the image of the Son of God. So next time you you think, you know, I'm just an accident of creation. The firstborn of all creation, is imprinted in every little cell that is inside and every molecule that resides within you has been imprinted with the firstborn of all creation. (laughs) So that, Paul is taking it out of the park because we're no longer talking about just a simple religious act. We're talking about the essence of the reality of where we inhabit in this world, in this universe. So it says, verse 6 and 4, In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. In a culture where we live, where there has been a resurgence of the occult, where people now are consulting mediums, where people are consulting spirits, and you would think that would happen in places of low socioeconomic status, but the data shows that it's the affluent who is now consulting spirits and spirituality and going to back to the new age and thinking about the spirit of the world and panatheism and in a world where we are inundated with so many philosophies of spirits in the realm of the spiritual world that controlled our life we have one who says that for in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authority. So I don't know what story you've heard about the gospel, but the gospel wasn't designed just for us to gather on a Sunday morning and close doors and just proclaim our little God and go back home, keep it quiet, and leave it like that. 
Paul is facing the Colossians and saying, I know there are magic things going on in your context. I know there are thoughts about powers and principalities and things that people are worshiping. All things were created through me. Therefore, all things are bound to me. So Paul is not saying, no, there's no things that are out there that are invisible. Paul is saying that even those things that you and I cannot perceive and see, probably through the spiritual realm, those things belong to me. I bound them to me. Not because they work through me, it's because I am supreme over all the forces in this world. And that's kind of a perfect message for a church that is struggling with lots of philosophies that are looking at deceiving people who want to follow the essence of who Jesus Christ is. So when we think about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, all of the things that have been created have been, have been created too, the power and the essence of who Jesus is. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So it's not that Jesus just was the beginning of creation, but it is present right now, holding everything we know about this universe together. So the essence of what we are, the essence of how we interpret life, and the essence of what reality is, is hold by the power of Jesus, the Jesus you proclaim here every Sunday. So that's beyond, beyond just being a little group or a little religious denomination from the ECC or just being a Protestant in the largest context of Christianity. This goes beyond the boxes we've put to religion, and Jesus becomes the essence of who we are in God. He is the prism through which when light goes through, we are able to see the power of God, the essence of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the redemption that God has designed for his creation. Not just for human, but for his creation. 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. A couple of weeks ago, we had the beautiful privilege of witnessing someone who understood what it means to be the first born from among the dead. When Jim addressed this community, the final weeks of his life, he was at peace. In the message, if you remember those words, do not worry about me, for I know where I'm going. 
because he understood that the God, the Jesus we pray, and we praise, is not only the firstborn of all creation. It's not only the, the, the one who holds everything that is in this world, but he is also the firstborn of the dead. The thing, the thing that actually makes us one, which is certain that our body will decay, and at some point we will meet the Lord. But so death, that what we fear, the reason why we put a will, the reason why we have a 401k, so the people who are behind us can live in peace, our God is not just the firstborn of all creation, it's the firstborn of the dead, among the dead, which means that even death responds to the supreme nature of who Jesus is. Which is amazing that the guy who was actually proclaiming Jesus as the firstborn from among the dead is in chains. Where no angels are going to come and take you out of that Roman prison. Paul is facing death. Death by the Roman Empire. And who there is this guy who's about to die writing to a community he doesn't know. That is Jesus, the one who is the supreme. So that in everything he might have the supremacy of all we are. For it's in that cross that we understand the essence of reality. That the God who created heaven and earth desired to die in a cross to redeem the brokenness of you and I. That is the act of supremacy. That I would even think about his own life. He would give it up so you could be redeemed. And that which is broken inside of you could be restored by the one who has the power to restore it. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who sustained our world. The firstborn among the dead. Whether at the beginning, whether in the middle, or whether in the end, Christ reigns. Christ reigns. And it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwelt in him. Not part of it. It's not that Jesus has a little bit of God. It's that Jesus is God. So when we praise his name, (laughs) we're praising the essence that hold this universe together. Here you are, all depressed, because your iPhone fell in the toilet. (laughs) And you live in a galaxy, 
that has more than 120 billion stars. That's one galaxy. And there are more than 250 billion galaxies known to us. We proclaim the God who's the firstborn of all creation in all the majesty of this universe that we will never get to comprehend. 300 million meters per second. That's even that has the imprint of the firstborn of all creation. So next time you face your trials and moments of pain and suffering and things that make you shake, say, I don't see God. He must be invisible right now. The one who walks with you is supreme. Not only because he overtakes the powers and dominions of darkness, but because he has laid his life to restore everything that is inside of you. Inside of not just you, but also planet Earth, our solar system, and the galaxy. And if there's a multi-universe, the multi-universe. This is no longer about little church stuff. The one who walks with you, who has promised to strengthen you in the probably the not not perhaps not the same pain that Paul was suffering in jail when he wrote this. The one who has promised you to be with you till the end is not a little God, body Jesus. He is the creator and the revealer of what existence and the realm of the whole planet, the universe. It's impossible to describe. That is the God we worship. And finally, the most beautiful part of the whole hymn, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed On the cross. Are you in peace? Or there are things inside your mind that still worry you about your family, about your job, about your current situation, about the relationships we have with the people you're going to meet on Thursday? Are you in peace? For we know one who has reconciled everything to himself, who can transpire that peace to you as well through the power of his Holy Spirit. So you come to understand that even in the people who do not acknowledge the presence of God, there's an imprint of God. Even in the people, our friends, the atheists, you might be sitting here, Every cell, every molecule inside of you has the imprint of the Jesus we praise and we worship, whether you like it or not. (laughs) So it's not a matter of you saying yes. God has said yes already. It's only for you to respond to that invitation. 
It's been done. All power, all dominion belongs to him. And it is in him that we find our reconciliation. In him we find that peace. The peace that the world cannot offer. The peace that the shaman, the voodoo, santeria. I, I work in a place where there's a lot of people practicing different things and different crazy mediums and spiritism and things like that. It might look, well, yeah, that's in our community, believe it or not. All of that cannot hold and has to respond to the power of the supreme crucified Christ. And now I walk, I might not see you, but I think I have a glimpse of who you are through the letter of Colossians. You're not just a little buddy Jesus, ECC church in tiny Newton, Massachusetts. You are the God of all creation. And in him I put my trust, knowing that whether at the beginning, in the middle, or at the time of death, you reign. Let us pray. Gracias, Señor, por tu amor y tu bendición. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your blessings to our lives. Thank you because it is amazing to think and comprehend the type of power and majesty that it's within you that resides in the, in the essence of who you are. And to know that you have left your throne of glory to die for a sinner like me. To die for people who are infinitely broken, finite and vulnerable. That cannot even see all the aspects of light. But yet you love us. And more than that, you have taken the step to reconcile this world to you through the power of your blood shed on that cross. If there's anyone in this place, Lord, that still doubt that love, I ask you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, creator of heaven and earth, sustainer of our all universe, the firstborn among the dead, I ask you to reveal your love, your presence, your power in the life of those who right now are like the church in Colossae, confused and doubtful about your purpose and your will for their lives. It is in the power of you, creator of the the universe, the galaxies, (laughs) light, energy, matter, It is in the power of you, supreme Christ. We put our lives and we ask you to forgive our hearts, bound us to you, and give us the peace, the healing, and the restoration, that reconciliation that can only come from your sweet presence in our life. 
Jesus. In the name of Christ, we praise you. We give you thanks, Holy Spirit, God, Son. Amen.